Hello, this is World Focus from Brussels. My name is Svein Helgason. In exactly one month, on the 26th of September, German voters go to the polls in the elections for the Bundestag, the German federal parliament in Berlin. Actually, voting is already in full swing, as postal voting is increasingly popular among Germans. The two current government partners, the CDU-CSU alliance and the Social Democratic Party, are almost in a dead heat in the polls, and the Greens are not far behind. Actually, some of the latest polling indicates that the Social Democrats are slightly ahead of Angela Merkel's party, who after 16 years is stepping down as Chancellor. Earlier this week, I spoke with Harti Ostri, an expert on German and European politics, about the state of play in the election campaign and Germany after Merkel. Die heiße Phase des Wahlkampfes eröffnet. Baerbock, Laschet oder Scholz? Wir haben eine klare Idee einer Kanzlerschaft für Deutschland. Es kann kein weiter so in der Außen- und Sicherheitspolitik geben. Die SPD ist eine soziale Partei in Hamburg, sie hat sozialen Wohnungsbau betrieben, Wohnungsbau dafür gesorgt. Mein Name ist uh, Hardy Ostry. I'm the head of the European Office of the Konrad Adenauer Stiftungs uh, Office hier in, in Brussels. The Konrad Adenauer Stiftung is a political foundation close to the Christian Democratic Union in, in Germany. And in Brussels, we are mainly dealing with the whole area of European integration process um, and the role of Germany in, in, in Europe. Um, and we are here since more than 40 years now. And I'm really privileged to be here today with you. What's the state of play uh, in the German elections now? It seems like the CDU has a you know, challenge on their hands. Definitely. Uh, I think, but first of all, we have to say that these elections coming up on the 26th of September uh, are one of the most open and, let's say, unpredictable German federal elections in, in, in decades. Uh, if you have a look on the campaign until now, the election campaign of all parties have been flagging due to obvious side effects of COVID management, uh, flood crisis, uh, now Afghanistan. Um, so people were much more focused on these things than current campaign relevant uh, uh, topics. Uh, despite of that, more or less all the candidates had some micro scandals, if you like to see so. Uh, Olaf Scholz, the Comex scandal, Annalena Baerbock, the Green candidate with her CV and different jobs she suggested to, to, to head in the past years. Armin Laschet, inappropriate law torturing the flood. So, and people were much more focusing on these really relatively small things, even though the campaign is now uh, flagging. And but now, since last weekend, let's say, uh, uh, shifting into high gear in the last weeks, nationwide campaigning is now on the top. Uh, we have primetime debates in all the different channels, public channels. And the CDU started its campaign last weekend in presence of Angela Merkel, which was quite important for us, the kick off the, the hot phase. So all people are trying to mobilize uh, uh, their militants um, and try to bring back these, let's say, campaign to real issues. For example, the CDU CSU is criticizing the Greens for their interdiction policy that goes hand in hand with their climate policy. The SPD is calling for a new Ostpolitik, and the Greens had recent attacks on Olaf Scholz' climate policy, but also Heiko Maas, the policy, the Minister of Foreign Affairs policy with regard to Afghanistan. So step by step, we are coming into a real campaign 
and let's see what is going on until the 26th. So climate action is one of the biggest campaign issues, at least it should be and probably will be. Definitely, especially after the, uh, uh, the flood catastrophe, what happened in mid of July, when important Western parts of Germany were really attacked by the flood. Uh, uh, it is present in all day politics. Uh, the question is, which impact it will have at the end of the day uh, on voters' opinion? And, and what is the, 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 the approach? Because for the Greens, it is, let's say, something like a Christmas gift. Uh, that this came up <clears throat> for others uh, who are in responsibility and have to, let's say, reconcile an intelligent economic approach with climate policy. And, and this is what, for example, uh, the CDU is trying. Uh, um, but definitely climate policy, uh, climate change is on the top of the agenda. What about economic issues? Uh, it's often said that people vote with their pocketbook. How's the economy doing in Germany? The economy is uh, relatively going well. If you had a, a look on the in numbers published yesterday in the last quarter, our economy has a growth with uh, in normal times, it would not be so good. But in these times of crisis, 1.2% is relatively good. Um, but at the same time, we have to say that uh, Germany, the government spent uh, billions of euro to manage uh, the pandemic the COVID crisis to find an adequate answer. Um, I think everything depends on uh, the next couple of months uh, and especially on the results of the elections because what is for sure beside the crisis management with regard to Corona and the flood catastrophe, uh, even on the European agenda with for 55 and all these packages are coming up, um, um, all our economies, national and global economies are facing a huge, huge challenge. So decarbonization will not be for nothing. It will cost a lot. And this is also something which is now coming into our discussion in the German campaign, because the German government decided uh, to agree to the European uh, targets and even to be more ambitious. But there's no doubt about the final objective, but how to get there. And I think this is really... Uh, uh, very interesting debate, which will also, let's say, mobilize the people in the next couple of weeks. So you've mentioned the main chancellor candidates, although it should be said for our listeners that it's the Bundestag that uh, selects the chancellor. It's not a direct election. So give me a short profiles, rundowns. Compare those three main candidates. As I mentioned, first of all, uh, and you said it already too, the chancellor is not uh, elected directly by the citizens, but by the majority of the members of the elected German Bundestag, so of the German uh, parliament. In the past, it was very likely that the party who had the strongest result in the elections was also called to, let's say, create a, a government and to help negotiations for a new coalition. But this was not always the case. If we still remember in the 70s, when the CDU and Helmut Kohl were the strongest party with 48%, nevertheless, the socialists were able, or they created a coalition, not taking into consideration the majority relations in the parliament. But normally, it is the strongest party. When it comes to the candidate, we first of all have Armin Laschet, a 60-year-old guy, uh, studied law, 
uh, worked as a journalist and was elected to the German Bundestag in 94. He was also a member of the European Parliament, which is quite important for his, let's say, political appreciation of the European integration process. And he entered the government of Northern Ireland's failure in 2005 as Minister of Integration. Armin Laschet is now the president of the CDU and the candidate of CDU and uh, CSU. When it comes to his political, let's say, principle, he is more trying to reconcile economic growth, industrial policy, and climate policy. Because for him, as you can imagine, he is prime minister of one of the most populated states in Germany of North Rhine-Westphalia, which is characterized by a strong industrial policy. It is very, very important to reconcile these different uh, uh, principles. Then we have Olaf Scholz, the Spitzenkandidat of the SPD, 62 years old, studied law in, in Hamburg. He was member of the German Bundestag, mayor of Hamburg, 2011 to 2018, secretary general of his party, and he entered the government in 2018 after this very long coalition process as minister of finance and vice chancellor, uh, a post which officially does not exist, but let's <laughs> say in our tradition, it's indifferent to Austria where it really exists. It is really part of the official nomenclatura. It is our habit to call the guy of the coalition partner uh, uh, vice chancellor. So um, he is playing a very, very intensive card on his own personality. It is an Olaf Scholz campaign. He is among those from the SPD, probably uh, the most moderated when it comes to financial policies and industrial policy. And this automatically brings us up to a big question mark because we all know that the SPD had in the past this strong struggle after entering again the coalition and the left-wing part, which represents the majority in the party, um, for the time being is totally disappeared. It's only Olaf Scholz. They're only focusing on this guy. And, and this raises a lot of questions. So what will happen on the 26th of September? Will it still be Olaf Scholz? Or will the others leave the cave and say, so now it's time to start a real left policy? Nobody knows. Then we have Annalena Baerbock, um, the Spitzenkandidat of the Queens, 40 years old, studied also law in Hamburg and London. She worked also for an MEP here in the European Parliament and was elected in the Bundestag in 2013. She started her campaign very intensively and very popular, but ended up after a lot of crises, which I mentioned already. I think one of their her biggest challenge is that she never held an executive office before. And this is something beside her discussions about her CV and all these minor issues, let's say. And, and, and you can, let's say, observe it also that she was never in a government. She was never minister. Um, and people are asking themselves in such a crisis where Germany is, despite the content of the Queens, which is shared by a lot of people, yeah, we have to say, is she the right uh, person to, to, to be in the chancellery? So most likely uh, uh, the decision will be taken among those three. And for the time being, uh, Armin Laschet, although all the challenges in the last couple of weeks is still heeding the polls, followed by Olaf Scholz and Anna Lerbock is third position, let's say.
but I saw a poll measuring the kind of personal popularity. Basically, if voters could elect them directly, there all of Schultz was leading like 30%, the others were 13%. Um, and that that's, must be a problem for Mr. Lachette. It's yes, we, we have these polls. Uh, this is uh, correct. Um, we have it in, in, in with different results. Some polls are showing a popularity of Schultz of about 40, and, and others, I mean, Lachette about 25, whatever. But as you mentioned, the big question is it, it has to be taken into consideration. But these questions uh, behind these polls are not reflecting our uh, voting system. Mm. At the end of the day, it's the party. Definitely, it's always an added value if you have a, if you have a candidate which is heating. There is no doubt about that. But um, this does not reflect the, the the voting system. So it is quite more interesting for us to see. And we know that with regard to the last couple of years, first of all, we have to say that um, polls, and we had this experience also with regard to regional elections, are getting less and less reliable. People, uh, you probably remember the elections in Lower Saxonia. We have, let's say, really surprising election evenings where at the end of the day we had results. Nobody uh, thought about it in the, uh, in the beginning. So this is one challenge. Then we have different institutions. We have INSA, we have Infratest, we have Allensbach, and they don't present all the same results. So we have remarkable differences when it comes to uh, the polling institutions. So but overall, what are the polls saying? Who's, what party or party coalition is leading, etc.? What, what are the top three, etc.? Let's say, if, for example, I had a look on Infratest DEMA from the 20th of August on last Friday. There we have the CDU, CSU, the Christian Democrats with 23%, uh, less, 4% less than in two weeks before. We have the Social Democrats with 21%, uh, 3% more than two weeks ago. We have on the third position, uh, on th uh, third position, the Greens with 17%, 2% less than two weeks before. Uh, the, the rising star, if you like, so the liberals, FDP with 13%. Um, the left, only 7%, the former PDS. And uh, the IFD, the right wing, uh, 11%. These are the results of last Friday. So, But as I mentioned, uh, uh, the results are differing from among the different polling institutions there were others who saw already CDU, CSU more or less on the same level than SPD. It's less reliable. I repeat it. Uh, I think the most important thing is really to see how people will decide in the next couple of weeks. And there comes a new aspect in. Normally, in before the crisis, let's say, uh, more or less all the parties focus on the last two weeks before the elections to make a really intensive campaign door-to-door -door and whatever. Um, due to the fact that uh, uh, the postal voting is getting more and more popular, uh, people don't would like to go into the election centers. Um, people in Germany and outside are able to vote from the beginning of last week. So, and this makes it more difficult in sense of campaigning and, and mobilizing people 
Um, and with regard to the current opinion, because people who are voting now, they are voting on the background of the current discussions. So, and we expect that more than, in any case, more than 30%, some people say almost 50%, are going to, to uh, uh, profit from this occasion to make postal vote. So at the end of the day, this might have a big, huge impact uh, on the real election results. This is really interesting, but um, also you mentioned briefly, we haven't mentioned alternative for Deutschland, uh, which is uh, right wing, further right, yes. Uh, some call it populist party anti-immigration. So it seems that perhaps they're not getting the traction, the support that they perhaps expected. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's true for the time being. And I hope this uh, <laughs> this will be the case even in, in four weeks. The problem of the AFD is that they are also uh, have a lot of internal problems um, and uh, scandals when it comes to uh, party financement, We have the right wing, the so-called Flügel, um, who stands for a nationalistic, uh, uh, populistic is even too comfortable for them, a nationalistic right wing uh, policy. We have those who would like to give them, let's say, more moderate, center-oriented. Um, so, and, and, and this is uh, uh, the reason why they are not able to really profit from the whole uh, uh, situation. Um, and I think to have them between 10 and 12 is, is still too much, but it's, yeah, I, I think from a political perspective is serious that they have probably between 10 and, and, and 12%. Politically speaking, they are not playing any role in the whole political discussion. So, When it comes to serious debates in Germany um, about crisis management, uh, about the flood catastrophe, about Europe, whatever, um, they are not really able to make a point. So it's uh, almost impossible, highly unlikely that they will enter government. That's pretty no. clear. No, this, this is for sure. Uh, uh, because no one of the political democratic parties represented in the German Bundestag is able, is willing, or could even imagine uh, to create a, a coalition with the AfD. It's a total political outsider. You mentioned coalition, and so that uh, creates challenges when you have like three parties of similar size, more or less. So there'll be a lot of uh, negotiations whatever the results are, they will be somewhere along these lines. So that will be um, perhaps a protracted long negotiations before a new government will be uh, created. Definitely, yes. Uh, as you mentioned, in our history, we had only once a majority government uh, under Konrad Adenauer uh, in the 50s. Uh, but normally our election system It was at that time it was really a surprise because our election system doesn't allow or makes it almost impossible to have a, a, a majority government of one party. So normally we always have coalitions. Um, in the past uh, we had almost always coalitions between a larger party and a smaller partner. This was the case: CDU, CSU, Liberals, Social Democrat, Liberals, Social Democrats, Greens. With regard to the current. It seems 
possible that we even need a third party to create a coalition. We have to see what will be the final result at the end of the day, but it is thinkable that if the numbers allows it that we have a government of two parties, CDU, CSU, and Queens. Uh, this at least was the, 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 the let's say, the, the one possibility very much discussed in the last couple of weeks. But now with the new numbers, and, and, and we have to see that probably there will also what we call Jamaica coalition, CDU, CSU, Queens, and Liberals. But we also, on the other hand, have the possibility that the Social Democrats are, might be able to create a coalition of Social Democrats, leftists, and uh, uh, the Greens, or what we call red-red-green uh, coalition. And then another possibility might also be a coalition red-red-green uh, uh, and liberals. So a uh, Kenya coalition. It's really difficult to predict um, but let's say it, it, it will be new for German history to have uh, a coalition of three parties, especially have, if you have a look on, on our group, on our party, because uh, we have already CDU in Germany and in Western Germany and CSU in Bavaria. So at the end of the day, it will be four parties. It will be more difficult in any case. We, we will have to wait. It, it will be a new experience definitely for Germany on the federal level. Uh, despite the fact uh, that we have it already on some uh, in some regional governments, yes. and that of course should be noted that uh, Germany is a Bundesrepublik. The, the states have autonomy in in many matters, uh, but now we're talking about the Bundestag, the, the federal uh, parliament. Briefly, um, before we get to Angela Merkel, the election system is notoriously, some say, uh, complicated. So. As sometimes in election systems, you're trying to reconcile two things, direct mm. elections and proportional uh, fairness, so to speak. Yeah. So give us the rundown in two minutes on the German election system. <laughs> <laughs> the German election system represents a mixture between two votes. Uh, the first vote is for the candidate in your circumscription. And uh, in each circumscription, you have a candidate, a Spitzenkandidate of the respective party, CDU, CSU, SPD, Liberals, and so on and so on. And, and those who, uh, the candidate who gets the majority of all the votes in the circumscription will have the direct mandate to be in the German Bundestag. And then we have the second vote, which is on the regional list related to the uh, regional uh, state. And um, this represents, in fact, the outcome and result of the election in percentages. So, and then at the end of the day, we will have uh, one very decisive question. If, for example, a candidate, which was the case in the last elections, or a party gets more direct candidates into the German Bundestag, then with the number one vote, then it allows the percentage of the list, then the other parties will have to get a compensation. So, um, and, and this creates, as you know, a lot of discussions for years already in Germany, because at the end of the day, this makes the Bundestag larger. That means some parties are getting more candidates, compensation mandates, um, and this, 
I think the current calculation is that there might be the risk that the German Bundestag will grow until 800, 900 members uh, due to this system of compensation and, and, and so on. We implemented already an electoral change program um, to limit, at the end of the day, the, the impact of these uh, compensation model. Um, but the, the huger reform uh, was postponed for the uh, new mandate of the German Bundestag. So tell that to me again and our listeners, is there not a fixed number of members of parliament? Can they fluctuate? Can they be increased? Well, there is a fixed number. I think that the current number is about 709 mandates. But according to these differences between direct candidates entering the Bundestag and the percentage of the nationwide results of a party can at the end of the day lead to the situation that a party can send more members uh, from their list to the, to the parliament. And all in all, that makes it possible that you have, currently we have 780, 90 members, that it can even be more, um, 800 something, even almost close to it. Uh, but this is always speculation. You have to see what is going on at the end of the evening on the 26th. So perhaps finally, um, Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany who's been there for a long time. She is, of course, from your party, the CDU. And so she's been involved in, in the campaign. She's not, of course, not left the stage. So it's difficult to, perhaps impossible, to fill in her shoes. Um, what has her role been and... There must be a lot of talk about, you know, Germany after Merkel. Yeah, in fact, it's it, it, it's a huge change for for Germany, and I think now I'm in Brussels and I'm here since five years, uh, even for European politics, and I really would like to say even global politics. And it is not because she's from our party or what, but I think in the last sixteen years she was able to especially when it comes to all the crisis moments we had, uh, uh, financial crisis, economic crisis, uh, uh, migration, uh, uh, now the COVID pandemic. And now, uh, so she was always in the hotspot. And, and especially when it comes to Brussels, and we can hear it already from a lot of member states that um, definitely they will miss her as that moderating, consensus finding, something she is very often criticized for. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, the only way to create consensus here among the member states and then among the heads of states and governments, I guess. So when it comes to Brussels, but also when it comes to Germany, it will be very difficult to, to, to fill her big shoes, but which is normal after 16 years. Yeah. Um, I just would like to, to correct you in one thing, and she's not entering the campaign. She was present last uh, Saturday, and uh, she gave a speech uh, for, for Armin Laschet. But uh, at the same time, she mentioned that she will not involve herself directly in the campaign due to her professional uh, 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 understanding that as an acting chancellor, 
she should not enter in, into a campaign. And this is very much appreciated by a lot of people. Nevertheless, she said also at the end of the uh, event on Saturday that she is convinced that Armin Laschet will be the new chancellor. Um, so, but I think this is quite important uh, because uh, European politics and German politics continue at the same time when we have the campaign. On the other hand, what will be expected by the new guy or lady if uh, uh, they are entering into office? I think there we have to be very patient and open because, frankly to say, who expected in 2005 when Angela Merkel took office that she will stay for 16 years? So um, how you say in German, uh, people are growing by their challenges. And I think this is always for politicians, for uh, uh, journalists, for everybody, I think. Um, you will have to look at it from the end. And uh, what is important, I guess, is when you have a look on the general situation in Germany, but also in Europe, that uh, the guy or the lady entering office will be able to explain decision-making and politics uh, in a very open manner. I think this is really important because now we, we, we are in the campaign, we are discussing who is going to win and so on, but at the same time, the conditions under which uh, social life changed in the last couple of years, um, how digitalization shaped even our political understanding and manner how we do politics, um, this is all. So we should, uh, with the campaign, we should not forget that there are still a lot of challenges. Uh, how we explain people our decision-making process, how we take them with us, and and this will be a, a huge challenge, especially when it comes to uh, uh, climate policy and 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 economic growth. How to bring these two things together. To conclude, um, to sum it up, um, exciting weeks ahead in the campaign for the German Bundestag uh, elections on the 26th of September. And I'm pretty sure you look forward as other polit political junkies to uh, follow that campaign. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. Um, Thank you, Mr. Harti Ostri, uh, the Conrad Adenauer um, office in Brussels. And uh, we look forward to, to speaking to you and, and uh, we'll see what uh, the ballot will bring us on the 26th of September in the German elections. Thank exactly. you very much. It will be very exciting. Thank you very much.